Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are coming to you live every Sunday morning at 8 from the Fox Sports Illuminate Home Loans studio in Las Vegas. We are on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio and ESPN Radio Las Vegas. Joining me on the show, of course, is our social media director, Spencer The Wind. Is Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the wind. Nobody beats the wind. And Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing several shows here at Lotus Broadcasting, is the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and Twitch. The page is called Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Line Fox LV. And once again, since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. Studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor Luminate Home Loans. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance the home you currently own, give Luminate Home Loans and the Galindo Legends team a call at 702-964-5720. On tap today. I wanted everybody to get their, their full ticket price today. Make sure we're down to the end and... Um, the energy was amazing. We'll continue to build on that. And then we've got a chance now. Uh, six and one opens up a lot of opportunities uh, for a football team, three and zero in the conference. And again, I said it last week, and I'll say it again, it's right where we should be. It's right where you and OB should be. And uh, we're gonna build on it. We know what's coming. Um, you know, it's a grinder coming up. We got uh, Fresno had a bye week this week. They've got to jump on us, we've got to catch them. And uh, our kids understand that. So we'll enjoy this one for, um, you'll hear a little bit, and then uh, then we'll get to work. But thrilled for our kids, uh, tremendous toughness, mental toughness on what that takes. And then the resolve they showed, guys stood up, stood up made plays, overcame penalties at crucial times, um, found a way to win. So you know, sometimes those games are going to end up like that. You just got to find a way. You got to stay in the fight, and, uh, and they did. And I'm, I'm uh, certainly happy for our football team. Barry Odom, coach of the UNLV Rebel football team, bowl eligible. We'll talk about that in a little bit and also talk about that with UNLV athletic director Eric Harper. Looking forward to Eric joining the show and a few also joining the show. John Jiggy Maxwell, the media relations director for the Va- uh, the Las Vegas Aces. And, of course, uh, if you're in a bubble, then you don't know the Aces just won their second consecutive WNBA title and uh, they're going to be celebrating. John will talk about that, how you can join the celebration, what's going on there. The Vegas Golden Knights, uh, perfect to this point in the season, six games in, and they are the first ever defending Stanley Cup champion to win 
their first six games the following season. No team's ever done it. 27 teams in history have started 6-0, and but no champion has ever started 6-0 and before. And how about Henderson, too? I got to give him a shout-out. The Silver Knights also undefeated on the season so far. 4-0 and and, and uh, tied for the lead in the entire AHL right now. Pretty cool to start the season this way. We'll talk about that in uh, the Vegas Golden Knights in Chicago last night playing against the, the new rookie phenom with the Chicago Blackhawks, Connor Bedard, and he got a goal. Again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. The Aces, UNLV football, and, of course, the Raiders, who uh, have an early one today. They will be in Chicago, as the Vegas Golden Knights were last night, playing the Bears and trying to win three straight games. And, hey, they are the odds-on favorite to win this game. Raiders winning three straight games this season. Could happen. We'll talk about that as well. And, of course, we've got the picks segment uh, coming up a little later on. We went 1-3 and three last week. Maybe uh, you shouldn't be betting on us. Maybe we should call it the don't pick segment and pick against us. We'll talk about that as well. And uh, the one thing I'm not going to talk about today before we jump into nightcap is Major League Baseball and the playoffs and the postseason. And there's a reason for that, and the reason is simply this. I didn't get a chance to see yesterday's game, and I've recorded it, and I want to watch it undisturbed. I have made it personally my mission to not hear what the game is I want to see what goes on between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. It's a cool game, and it's laden with Las Vegas uh, natives and people like, uh, you know, you got Bryce Harper, you got Stott on the Phillies, you got Paul Sewald closing for the Diamondbacks. It's really cool. But I'm not going to talk about either of the playoffs next week. When I'm in Detroit, we'll talk more about the World Series. But, hey, let's get right to it, guys. Go ahead and hit uh, Nightcap Spence. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Now, the puck has started a few weeks back, and the Vegas Golden Knights have yet to lose a hockey game. They went to Chicago yesterday as a favorite to win the game, but, of course, they're playing against rookie sensation Connor Bedard. I have trouble talking about this guy because, in my opinion, he should be a Detroit Red Wing, but uh, that's a different story for a different show and a different time. Um, he did score a goal last night, and if you saw the goal, I mean, he was standing out front when he got the pass, but he just perfectly placed the shot, and this kid is extremely talented. They say soft hands, quick feet and just an overall tremendous hockey IQ already at the age of 18 years old. The upside is ridiculous. Is he going to be as good as guys like Connor McDavid? Um, you know, I don't know, but the, the potential is definitely there. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights held serve, though. Right after he scored, William Carlson got the equalizer not long after that, and the Vegas Golden Knights just weren't going to be denied. Won it 5-3 to three going away, and one of the most staggering statistics about the Vegas Golden Knights before uh, at this point, and Chris and I were talking about the show, Spencer, um, is the fact that this team, 21 players right now, 21 guys who have participated on the Vegas Golden Knights in these six games have at least a point. Keep in mind now, you have four lines of three guys. That's 12 players. You have three lines of defensemen. That's another six players. That equals 18. You have a starting goaltender and a backup goaltender. On the bench to start any hockey game, you have 20 players, two of them, again, being goaltenders. That leaves you with 18 players typically to get a point. I mean, a goaltender once in a blue moon gets an assist and even in a bluer moon gets a goal. But uh, for the most part, 21 guys in six games have got points. You want to talk about a team that is completely well-rounded and the depth. And when you go back to down to the Silver Knights and look at the fact that they're undefeated, 
it is scary to think how deep this Golden Knights team is this season. How many players can step in at any point in time from the Silver Knights and play? Guys like Bahal who can come in and get points. Uh, Chris, it's it's bizarre when you talk about not only the fact that they come out of the gate and win six games when they've had the shortest offseason they've had to date, but to take into account that, again, 21 players to this point have a point is is pretty unbelievable. All right, so 24 players have seen action for the Golden Knights, including Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson. So we're down to 22 skaters. 21 of the 22 skaters have a point. One of them has only played in two games, and that's actually two of them, a few of them have played in two games. Alec Martinez, Pavel Dorofeyev, and um, Alex Petrangelo each in two games have registered at least one point. Yeah. The only player on the Golden Knights right now that does not have a point is William Carrier, and he missed two games due to injury. So it's uh, pretty incredible. Six games into the season to have 21 players with a point. And here's a here's, – here's a, you know, it's funny because we had this conversation uh, on the VGK Insider Show. Uh, I don't know if we had it on – yeah, we did have it on the air, myself and Darren Millard, and – we're talking about how many games over the course of 82 you play with your A lineup, like your your best players in every position. Right now, we're six games into the season. The Golden Knights have not played one game with all their, with all their skaters because Zach Whitecloud is yet to, to see any action for the Golden Knights. So um, you have to figure when he comes back, he's going to slot in uh, where um, uh, Ben Hutton's playing. So... Uh, it, it, it's pretty wild. Like it's it's pretty incredible to think that the Golden Knights have picked up, not only picked up, but they've run with defending the cup. Like I believe, I believe, and don't quote me on this because I haven't seen the statistics, but they were one of only two teams, or one of only three teams, to start the season five and zero after defending after, after winning the Stanley yeah. Cup. It was like the 1920-something Ottawa Senators. And, I think the Canadians. And the, I think it was the – no, I think it was the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, it was the Edmonton Oilers in, in like the 86, 86-87 yeah. yeah. season. When they were in their so, dynasty. Yeah. So the Golden Knights, even all the years the Islanders – Islanders won four straight. They didn't do it. Um, so the Golden Knights are in, in rarefied air. The Canadians won four straight. The Islanders won four straight, yeah. and the Oilers won four of four out of five in five years. And they're the only ones that had done it besides us. And like you said, a team in the twenties when there was like six teams playing in the NHL. Yeah, so I like mean, it's I, unbelievable. I don't, I don't know of those two teams. The and I guess we could look it up and see, but we don't have the time. I think of those three teams. I don't think the other two started six and zero. No, they did. Well, no, they didn't. But the Knights are the only team. Only to start team to start six and zero. And right now, that's incredible. There has been twenty-seven teams in history, Chris, that have started six and zero in NHL history. I don't know what goes beyond that. That's as far as I looked yeah. up for today. Well, I think there was. I think the. I, I don't like, know what the record is, but is it like thirteen or something? Yeah, to like start that? the season, but it's the best start in team history. Yeah, without question. Um, look, year, if, if you but back in the inaugural season, they started four and one. Uh, that one loss being to the Detroit Red Wings, yeah, the I first remember. the first loss in franchise history I, to the Detroit I, Red Wings. I smile about that. But now you have two teams coming into town this week that you are better than. Yeah, you're better than the Philadelphia Flyers, yep. who've been playing pretty 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 decent hockey, but they're not a good team. And then you got the Blackhawks coming back on Friday Friday afternoon. So 
I don't want to say 8-0, right? I mean, that's putting the cart before the horse. It's the NHL. These guys are pros. We saw last night for a little bit that the Blackhawks are are, are able to, to skate with the Golden Knights. So, uh, look, but, I mean, you, you have to really start looking. If these guys keep winning, you have to look for a spot where they're going to lose. Like, Brian, it's entire. It's not out of the realm of possibility. They get into November. And they don't have a loss. <laughs> Not at all. It's totally two because, weeks away. Because you, you've got some winnable games. Yeah. I thought Winnipeg was going to be a tough spot. I figured, I thought I thought if there was a game they were going to lose out of the gate, it was that one. Yeah. But you've got Philadelphia, Chicago. See, I thought Chicago might have been a trap game for them. Yeah. And, know, and it wasn't. It and then out. you go to um, uh, L.A. on the 28th, I think it is. So that's that's the one. If they get through that game... And they're nine and zero at that point. They're not losing in November, or they're not losing until November. Until November, yeah. Which yeah. is which is absolutely. It's but but here's the other thing. Every game they win, the pressure now mounts on people saying this team is going to repeat. Yeah. And 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 you know what? I think they like that. I think they yeah, want I don't that pressure. Think, I don't think they're going to be using the term adversity as much as I heard the Las Vegas Aces use the last uh, couple of days. Uh, but we'll see. I'm going to talk to Jiggy about that in a few minutes when he comes on the show uh, shortly. But um, you know, I, I, it's it is incredible. It's an unbelievable run, and uh, you know they've just done it right from from the very beginning. The Aces have done everything right. And like I said, I mean, I've, I've, all of us are armchair quarter. And we sit back and we we say this decision wasn't right. I scratch my head over this decision. I've done that over the, the about the Las Vegas uh, the the Vegas Golden Knights over the past six years. I've definitely made scratch my head at a couple of decisions. But I stood. I said this last week, and I'm going to stand by this as we transition and say that I will no longer. Okay, and I'm saying I can't imagine ever questioning anything that Kelly McCrimmon or George McPhee do when it comes to the Vegas Golden Knights. These guys are hockey minds. And, you know, you can see, even though Herbie Brooks was the orchestrator, was the was the maestro of the 1980 Olympic team, you can see where George McPhee developed his philosophies and finds hockey minds similar to maybe the way Herbie Brooks meshed players and talent. And, and George McPhee is, is a master at that. And, and Kelly McCrimmon's turning out to be a pretty good general manager as well. Um, I love what they're doing. I love what we're seeing here. Again, I, I sound like a broken record, but I tell all my friends, it's worth coming to Vegas to go to a Vegas Golden Knights game. And now that you've got the Sphere and Bono and U2 playing there, Vegas is, is a pretty good destination. Uh, Come in town when you can come in for a long weekend. Maybe catch a Raiders game, a Vegas Golden Knights game, and a Bono concert. I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate yes. pack, packing it in? Can you what? Can you imagine a better three day weekend if you're a sports fan and a fan of music as most of us are than to see those three events in three back to back days? And you could pull it off this year. You know, well, you, if you have enough money for it, it, sounds like you're going to need a loan to do all of those. Well, things, you, right? you well, go see Brian. Yeah, yeah. take take hey, out a take, refinance take, take, take your, your home. Yeah, refinance. I'll get yeah. you. In all three games. But, you know, the, the crazy thing is you 2 extended their residency because there was such a high demand. Oh, my God. Um, I, I'm, I'm like this city, and it's funny because I talked to Lindy LaRock uh, a couple weeks ago, who is, of course, another champion, by the way, uh, two-time defending Mountain West Conference tournament champion UNLV Lady Rebels. And I had Lindy on a, a show that I do with Lindsey Brown over on ESPN on Saturday mornings called Throw the Flag live at the TI Golden Circle inside the TI, free parking for those who 
<laughs> want that. But uh, we talked about it because she grew up here, and we talked about you know where she was when the Aces announced that they were moving here from San Antonio, and this just the growth of this city as as a as a major league sports town. I mean, look, we haven't even mentioned the fact that. In less than a month, the I will say the biggest, one of the biggest sports on the planet, Formula One, will touch down in Las Vegas and go down the Las Vegas Strip at speeds of over 200 miles an hour. But like this city, it, it's 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 incredible. By the way, I think I found the spot where I might be able to catch some of the Formula One, but I'm not going to share that on the air. But um, it, it, it's incredible when you think about the growth of this city as a major league sports town. And look, I know we're going to talk about it. How about the fact that UNLV now has a bowl eligible football team? Not, not, and it's not like they're six and six and they needed to win that last game of the season. They're six and one. Yeah. I mean, a lot different feel than last year when they started four and one, and you didn't know what to expect. This team six and one. We are going to talk about that, and I, I do want to definitely get. Yeah, get when that. when you get Harper on, you got to ask him, like, because clearly Barry Odom was the man for the job. Oh, there's no. But doubt you got to ask him how he knew what he what he saw in we, Barry t- we, because I, I Eric Harper, and I and I'm not just tooting his horn because he's coming on, like. He's already the best athletic director UNLV's had since I've been here. Well, I was going to say since I've been here in 2002 as well, and we are going to talk to, uh, or 2004, excuse me, we are going to talk to Eric about that. I want to bring in now a friend of mine, a guy that uh, is wearing some jewelry, about to get some more jewelry, uh, John Jiggy Maxwell, of course, the media relations director for the Las Vegas Aces. I should say the back-to-back WNBA champion Las Vegas Aces. What's going on, Jiggy? Appreciate you. Get, well, I know you're up already. we got a lot of celebrating to do over the next couple days, but uh, appreciate taking time out to join the show. Yeah, my pleasure. I wish I could get you a player or a coach, but the Sunday morning uh, after a Saturday, after you win a championship, not a good time to try and collect players, I'm afraid. I'm pretty sure they were out celebrating the uh, Friday and Saturday nights as well. No, of course. Well, they got to celebrate, first of all, in New York. Talk about the two cities that never sleep playing against each other, man. I mean, uh, well, they're going to get some sleep now as they uh, they uh, win back-to-back championships. They they fulfill this destiny that they were talking about all year, that they weren't done, weren't satisfied. Get this unbelievable practice facility last year that one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Also, as nice of a ring as you're going to see in any sport that uh, Jiggy Sports, I don't know if you're wearing it, you can hold it up and shake it in front of the camera. And I doesn't have it on right now. Usually yet we see yeah. it on him. But, uh, you know, Jiggy, this team really was built to repeat again. Uh, you know, I heard a term a lot over the past couple of days. I'm going to tell you honestly, it annoyed me, the adversity part of it, because when you look at the adversity, and let me just be straight about this, what the Aces have done uh, for the city, for everything, has been nothing short of spectacular. They are now a revenue-producing franchise in the WNBA, which is something we haven't heard about in years. We see New York is following suit. We're starting to see packed arenas, something we're not used to, which is really cool. And I think a lot of the tribute goes to the Las Vegas Aces for what they've been able to, to do, John, what you've been able to do. It has been incredible. And again, they, they owe Las Vegas, I think the league itself owes Las Vegas, Mark Davis, a thank 
you for really bringing the league into more prominence. That being said, the adversity that we're talking about, obviously the beginning of the year, there was some adversity with the Erica Hamby. I'm not going to go into the details. They've already been spread all over the place. We know about Raquana Williams. Um, but again, we knew that she had a pass before she came to the Aces, and she still came to the Aces. That's a risk that you take. Candace Parker, she's been hurt all year. She's never really been a part of the squad as far as on the court. She hasn't been able to produce. This team has been reduced to a six-woman squad most of the season. And then, of course, after game, th- you know, in game three, you, you know, you lose uh, last year's finals MVP in Chelsea Gray and Kia Stokes without two starters on a six-man team. Uh, that, it was like it was like the Hoosiers where you got, you're down to four players. But the truth of the matter is I don't see all the adversity. You won championships. There's no reason to, for, to, to say anything but, hey, this is how good this team is. This is how resilient they are. I like the positivity. And the last thing I'll say, because I want you to comment on all of it, John, is, you know, the, the Kelsey Plum issue over the last couple of days. Kelsey's, I don't want to say it was taken out of context. What was printed and what was said is exactly what came out of her mouth. The way it was construed was out of context. That's not the way she meant it. And I got that right off of the get-go. I think some people, you know, have to play it up. But I don't think you blame the media for doing their job and quoting what you said. You, you got to get it out right. That's your job to make sure you know with social media and where things go today, John. When you say something, it's going to get out there. And if you say it even remotely, incorrectly, or sideways, it's going to get twisted. That's the way things work. Well, Brian, the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. And mm-hmm. how many years have we gone through in the WNBA where exactly. championship was over, might have been a great championship, but three days later, everybody's moved on. And we're now becoming a league where you don't move on. And a lot of that is in part because of the great job Mark Davis has done as our owner. He's showing what you can accomplish if you invest in the WNBA and in your franchise. Uh, we can bring key free agents in like an Alicia Clark, who was huge. Candace Parker, who played less than half of a season, but was a big contributor in the first half of the year. Speaking a little bit to the controversies, I think that plays more into the whole idea of the super teams as constructed at the beginning of the year, were we a super team? Sure, by a lot of definitions, but that's when everybody thought we were going to have a healthy Candace Parker throughout the entire year, that a Raquana Williams was going to come back after being injured. And then you're looking at a team that is seven, eight deep uh, with people who have been all-stars, won awards, and that is probably the very definition of a super team. Built a little differently than New York through no fault of their own. We had the number one draft pick three years in a row to be able to get Kelsey Plum, Angel Wilson, Jackie Young, whereas the Liberty did it via free agency. So theirs was assembled a little differently. And I think what Kelsey was trying to get at, and I'm not going to put words in her mouth. She can obviously speak for herself. But our team, because of the way it was built, has played together for a number of years, at least most of it. And then you were adding in smaller parts. When you got a team like the Liberty that gets pulled together, they had some growing pains early on during the season trying to figure things out. I think what she was trying to say was you kind of default to those, the things that got you there before you got to the team when you get into some of those tougher situations. Now, I didn't really, as much as I'm at the game, I barely watch the game, so I can't speak to whether or not that happened or not. But I think that's what she was pointing to, that we benefited from being together and that New York was thrown together a little bit more this season as a team. I think you're going to see New York build off of this and come back better next year the same way we built off losing in the semifinals to Phoenix uh, three years ago and then took that and built it into a WNBA championship, now back-to-back WNBA championship team.
Hey. Yeah, and, and, and Johnny, exactly the point. That's what Kelsey Plum was saying. She was, you know, saying it was an intangible that, that benefited the Aces, the fact that they were bonded. I mean, they've been bonded over a few years. They're core players where you took some of the best players in the WNBA. As a matter of fact, some people may say at the end of, you know, at, at the end of uh, John Quell Jones's and at the end of Brianna Stewart's career, they were two of the best players that ever played in the WNBA. So they formed these guys. But again, she was just saying they can't possibly have the bond we have because of the amount of time, the tenure. And I got it, and I think most people got it. Some people took it out of context. John Quell Jones, I think, being one of them to say that was it was classless. It wasn't the way people know Kelsey Plum wouldn't do that. And that was my whole point. It was like we knew she wouldn't do that, but don't blame the media for what you said and people taking it out of context. It is what you said. That was just my point is just own what you said. Don't don't point fingers. We get enough pointed us and all we're doing is our job like they're doing their job we're doing our jobs again if every single i say it all the time john if every single athlete came out and acted like marshawn lynch and said i'm only here so i don't get fined all of their salaries would plummet because people wouldn't be interested anymore we got nothing to talk about we've got to talk about something to create controversy that creates interest but again john just you know, seriously, applause to you, to the Aces, the job you do. I say right now that I always feel very wanted and respected because I get more emails from John Maxwell than I get from anyone else in my other platform. I appreciate how hard you work and how informed you keep us. And uh, this Aces team, John. Any uh, before I let you go, parting words of uh, number one. I want you to t- to let people know about the celebration, how they can attend, and what's going on. The route is a little bit altered based on because of Formula One than it was last year number one and number two is the expectations of this team becky hammonds a lot of us are just waiting and scratching her head she is an incredible coach she is an nba caliber coach and will probably be in the nba so what are you hearing about the future of the aces you being on the inside and then again also uh, elaborate a little bit on the the festivities about to go on sure well the parade and celebration is going to be monday evening the actual event is going to be from 5 to 7.30 at Toshiba Plaza. You mentioned the route's a little different. We're starting at Tropicana, heading up uh, Las Vegas Boulevard on the southbound lane, making a left on park, and then heading to Toshiba Plaza. That footprint at Toshiba Plaza gives us a much bigger area for fans to congregate than we had uh, on the Strip, actually on the Strip last year. So two things, obviously, F1 and all of the construction has definitely impacted. But then we wanted a bigger footprint. Uh, so that more fans could be at the end, because obviously that's where you want to be is the end to see all of that, uh, all of that celebration and the speeches and everything. As to the future of the Aces, I mean, the, our core is still incredibly young. Um, Becky Hammond obviously is going to be talked about for any single coaching job that comes up, and she's earned the right to be uh, brought into those conversations and to interview for whatever job she wants. If she left tomorrow, she's still one of the most important figures in the history of this franchise and you can never take away what has happened. But if that's what she wants to do, I think every single player in that locker room would applaud her and be at game number one, cheering her on. Uh, if that's ultimately where she wants to be, obviously you can have assistant coaches get poached when you've had some success. So I'm sure that the likes of Tyler Mars and Charlene and Natalie Nakase are all being looked at for, for various uh, coaching jobs as well, but we've built something pretty special here. I think it'll transcend uh, any coaches leaving, any players leaving. Uh, I think just talking real quick about the job our bench did in that last game, I think people forget that when you bring in a bench, you're not bringing in probably complete players. Michael Jordan isn't coming off the bench. You've got people on the bench who are sharpshooters, defenders. Um, that's what you want. You want specialists coming off that bench. And that's what we had entering 
the game uh, in game four. And it was a total defensive effort. We knew everybody on that bench could play defense and they played their asses off 69 points, holding Sabrina Ionescu, um, Stewie Jones, all those players to just 69 points is a ridiculous defensive effort. I think Natalie Williams and company will continue to look to fill out the back end of that roster as best as they can. And I think we're going to be favored to win the championship again uh, next year. Uh, you know, obviously injuries crop up uh, every year and they did for us this year, but we were able to overcome them. And I think you'll see us be in the mix next year. And I would love to see another New York Vegas rivalry. This could be the Celtics Lakers of the eighties for our league. And it would be huge. Hey, Jiggy, couple questions real quick. Yep. Why is, is Sydney Colson always as energetic and as funny when she's like, a, like, maybe behind closed doors because she's hysterical and, and she's a great follow on Twitter. She's funny. She claps back like the stuff with the flight, with, with, with the flight attendant was, was really funny. So like, is she always that loose and, and, and is she like that behind the scenes as well? And what do we got to do she, to get our fantasy really football is. team going, man? Yeah, she really is. She is, she's on all the time. Fantasy football. I have probably ought to go set the lineup. Shouldn't I? Um, Soon we we've got a whole bunch of injured players on that roster. Yeah, so we're we're we're, we're struggling. I, I, I've hesitated. We're, we're we'll, we'll be at five hundred, just like the Raiders here shortly. Um, but yeah, Sydney is always on. So a couple of things I can throw out there. I think if you tune into the Daily Show sometime this week, you may see Sydney Colson on the Daily Show. If you are up watching Good Morning America, you may see Asia Wilson, who will also, I think, maybe be on Jimmy Kimmel. So. Again, speaking to the Aces and how we've sort of pushed the league forward in the past, the season ended, you moved on and you showed back up in April, but that's not uh, that's not good enough. That's not what you need to be to be a successful league. You need to be year round. And our players are, are certainly uh, trying to push that as, as best as they can. But yeah, Sydney's amazing. She's always on and she's always funny. Um, encourage everybody to follow her on her social media platforms and her TV show with Teresa Plaisance, and then hopefully tune into the daily show this week to see uh, her more in her element. He is John Maxwell known as Jiggy to all of us here in the media and pretty much everyone knows. And we appreciate taking time out and joining the show back to back WNBA champion aces and uh, Jiggy, you're going to have to work out because I saw the ring and now there's going to be one on the other finger. You're going to be dragging your knuckles on the ground unless you build up those biceps to hold up those rings. Appreciate you taking time out, my friend, and we'll see you at the celebration. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for being there for us all year long and since we moved to Vegas, and we'll see you all on Monday. Absolutely, man. And that, once again, John Maxwell, Media Relations Director for the Las Vegas Aces, does a great job. And I'm not kidding you. We get three or four emails a day. I know everything going on with him. It's great. I don't have to, like, watch the news, man. I, 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 we all know that what's going on with the Aces. And, uh, you know, guys like John Maxwell, uh, guys like uh, Jim Gemma that just do a great job in their job in keeping us informed, and we greatly appreciate it on our end here Guys, UNLV, man, uh, I, I, there, there's just so much that I can say. But the one thing that I'll say that may be the most impactful and meaningful is the fact that I have been watching entertaining games, entertaining football games at the collegiate re- level here in Las Vegas, and it is the UNLV Rebels. This team is playing like a football team. I think they are representing the character of their coach, and I think uh, that is something that can't be overstated as how much he has brought to this program in such a short period of time. Fortunately and unfortunately, Barry Odom will not be in Las Vegas for a long time. I know Eric Harper probably doesn't want to hear that, but let's be realistic. The guy comes from a Power 5 conference, Division One school, and um, he has all the potential. He says and does the right 
great things. And it's amazing. He's already getting the Las Vegas community to buy in a little bit. Uh, not a huge turnout yesterday, but I'll tell you what. They have a lot more home fans that attend UNLV games than the Raiders have Raider fans. When you took, talk about the, the amount of audience that cheers for UNLV and, and the opposing team. But realistically, what I really like about this guy, again, is the camaraderie with the players. And I'm sure Eric Harper is going to elaborate on that more in a few minutes when he comes on the show. But yesterday, the you know UNLV, gigantic win. Uh, they win by two points over Colorado State. A back-and-forth battle that saw a guy on the Rebels break a record. And, you know, special teams have been a little bit of an issue for the Rebels over time. They're definitely better now. But one thing that hasn't been an issue, like the last several kickers they have had have been very solid. Gutierrez last year, Daniel Gutierrez was probably, if not the best kicker in the Mountain West, one of the best kickers in the Mountain West. Very consistent. And the guy before him, I can't think of Cohorst, his name. I think, right? Yeah, yeah was, was a guy that they talked about being potentially an NFL kicker at the time he was at UNLV. So to, be, to follow these footsteps constantly is a pretty tall order. Jose Pisano, I believe it's pronounced because Pisano. It, it, well, I, I'm saying Pisano, but I think it, it's his, it, it's Pisano. Spanish, it would be Pisano or, or, or yeah, Pisano or Pisano. Yeah, because the I is pronounced. That, that, the, I, I sit next to Russ, so I'm lucky, right? Because I get all the all the pronunciations from him and Caleb. Thank and, God. And, and yeah, it's it's Pisano. Although it's a lot easier in football than it is in hockey. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like like it's funny. I'm I come from an Italian American family, and I say Pisano. That's but, what I said. Yeah, I love the name. It's, it's Pisano. So yeah. Dude, like that kid, he's been money all year, and I mean, that I was Gutierrez. Yeah, last like year. like I mean, they've they've done really well. But here here's the thing: like we we always talk about there's three phases of the game, um, you know, offense, defense, UNLV's special teams. And look, I'd be lying if I said I sat here and watched every college football team this season. Their special teams has to be among the best in the country because you look at the way that. Uh, uh, the job that Jacob DeJesus does yeah. back there. But even yesterday, they kicked away from DeJesus, and Donovan Lester had a huge uh, kickoff return as well. So, I mean, that's an aspect of the game that that I feel like has been missing from these Rebel teams. And it's not just Marcus Royal. You go back to Tony Sanchez as well. Special teams was, was – they were good at kicking the ball, but when it came to returning the ball, they just were kind of lacking a yeah. little bit. Not this year. No. Not this year at all. I mean, that Every, Jacob DeJesus is a star. No, he is. Every face of the game, there just seems to be energy. It's the word that I kept using as, yesterday. They're playing with so much energy and camaraderie. I love seeing what I'm seeing. And after the game, I got a chance to talk to Jose Pisano about uh, his record-breaking effort yesterday and how cool this was. Jose Pisano. Six field goals today, a record at UNLV. And it's not like there haven't been some good kickers at this university. You just replaced Daniel Gutierrez from last year. How do you feel right now? Um, very exciting. You know, uh, like I mentioned before, you know, I couldn't have done it without my teammates uh, and Jaden and the whole offense for getting us in that position. And uh, it's just it's just mind-blowing that we were able to, to accomplish that win tonight and that I was able to go 6-6. Six Talk about this team. I mean, you get the chance to be around them, a big part of it. What is the culture of this team? Five and one, they come in now six and one in bowl eligible. Uh, it's changed a lot. Uh, every day, I just feel like we get closer and closer. Um, it's not like everybody's just got like their own little groups. Uh, everybody's um, just giving each other high fives, talking in the hallways. We don't treat anybody any different, whether you're a walk-on, a scholarship guy, the quarterback, the DB. 
Um, and Coach Odom's just really established that, that we all are in it together. And at the end of the day, like, you just have to be ready whenever your number's called. So I think the culture's been been changing uh, in great ways, and we're going to keep working on that every day. You talked about it at halftime in the locker room. You guys go in, not the best first half. You guys are down and have to make a comeback. What was said in the locker room? He said he didn't have to say anything. It was said yeah, by you guys. Um, the, a lot of the teammates, a lot of my teammates, um, we're just, they were hyping each other up. Like we, like we mentioned, like we're not, it's not one group hanging out. Nobody was pouting. Nobody was uh, talking negatively. Um, we were all just hyping each other up saying like, this is our house. We have to defend it and we just have to keep going. Finally, you come back in that game. You take a lead. It's a little over a minute to go in the game. And then after you take the lead, they come right down and score. You got 44 seconds to go down and score. Walk me through that. You're standing on the sidelines. We saw you warm it up. We were right next to you warm it up. Talk about what you went through, and then you get called, and you got to go in and do it. Um, kind of like I, um, I said, uh, I knew that we were going to get into the situation. Um, it was just a matter of when and like where we were going to um, execute from. Uh, so I, I just kind of started going through my routine and said, you know, it's just like a matter of time. Congratulations. And uh, Jose Pizano, and pretty incredible young young man, and six field goals, a record at UNLV in a single game. Uh, super proud of the kid. Uh, just just a good kid, and as Chris said, very, very consistent, and something I think we'll continue to see him doing. And uh, we are joined now on the, the line I hear by um, Athletic Director Eric Harper. So go ahead, Spence, hit it. Back this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. It's a fact. UNLV athletics are on the rise. The proof is in the results. Women's basketball, volleyball, baseball, and now the UNLV football team is bowl eligible for the first time in a decade. This in my opinion, and the opinion of many others, is because of the man who has been heading UNLV Athletics officially since January 1st of 2022. Athletic Director Eric Harper, and that man, Eric Harper, is joining us right now via StreamYard. Uh, Eric, welcome to the show. Appreciate you joining us this morning. Uh, thank you very much. Glad to be here, Brian. You know, uh, it, it, you know, we'll just start off. Let's 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 parlay into football. We're already talking about this football team. I know you were there yesterday. I saw you afterwards. Uh, you were talking to people, so I didn't come up to you after, and I had to run out and get the interview with Jose. But um, this is this is thrilling. I know for the community, for everyone in UNLV, to see a culture being developed by this football team. And after the game, Eric, before I even let you in, I want to get the, the uh, Barry Odom after the game what he had to say, and of course, he mentioned in this after game speech. Well, I think you, you, we all learn from our experiences in life. And, you know, I, what I know now um, was a lot better than what I knew 10 years ago and five years ago and two years ago. You learn through your experiences. And if you're not willing enough to look in the mirror and understand what you need to change uh, to improve your program, what you need to do, remove ego from it. And you pour into your players, surround yourself with really good people, that are like-minded, that are good at what they do, stick with the foundational approach of building the program, trust your kids, and have the standard and expectation on what it should look like every single day. And then as soon as you get tired of doing that, then you become part of the problem. So you can't get tired of it. You gotta wake up, do it again tomorrow, and then the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And uh, it's a very simplistic approach. And it uh, it is working for our team, it's working for our program, um, and we'll just stay on course. I think this program 
can be an elite one in college football. I thought it when Harp uh, decided to, to hire me, and my thoughts haven't changed on that. And, you know, you heard Coach Odom. I think all of us can see why he is the leader that he is, the way he approaches the press conferences, the way that the kids look at him. Uh, Eric, right off the get-go, what made you, what sold you on, on Barry Odom? Excuse me. Uh, you know, as, as I've said many times, it was the, the consistency in who he was when we had conversation, um, whether it was on the phone, whether it was on a Zoom. Um, and I, I, I go back to my days of Bill Snyder and the consistency that Bill Snyder had uh, in his approach. He wasn't trying to tell you who, uh, what you wanted to hear. He was telling you who he was and how he was going to build a program. And, and that was consistent day in and day out that I talked with him. And I just, I, he just, had, he was the guy, you know, when you don't want anybody that's looking for answers, uh, trying to tell you what you want to hear, tell me the truth. And Barry told me the truth. Eric, of course, referencing his uh, college football coach, Bill Snyder, uh, great coach at Kansas State. Two different terms he served there. Of course, Eric, he played a four-year starter at defensive back for Bill Snyder. And, and that's what you talked about, the camaraderie. He kind of promoted this love between the players, which made you love each other and love him as a coach. And Barry Odom does the same thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about that, the, the camaraderie and the, and the connectivity and the alignment that Barry has with his team. Uh, which also allows him uh, when somebody is not doing and, and not performing at the level that they need to, uh, to have that tough love. And, and, and the players respect that tough love because he treats them the same from the first guy on, on the team to the, to the 107 guy on the team. They're all treated with, with, with the utmost respect and, and care, and that's what Barry does every single day. Yeah, you can see it. when I've interviewed a number of the players now, including Jordan Maeva, the starting freshman quarterback, and uh, you know, just saying that, that this guy is almost like a father figure to all of them, the way he coaches them, the way he talks to them. And with most great coaches, that's what you hear. And uh, this UNLV football program definitely heading in the right direction now. Um, and uh, like I said, they're bowl eligible with still a lot of games left to play uh, and, and in first place in the Mountain West Conference right now, which is pretty cool as well. Talking about the Mountain West Conference, Eric, a real quick quick conference realignment, something that has been talked about a great deal. Yeah, it's a little bit more of a hush now that the season's underway. But, you know, the big talk around here has been Washington State and Oregon State potentially becoming members of the Mountain West. I know there's some things that they, they required a promotion and, and um, some type of a, a relegation that they're asking for. But where, where do we stand on that right now? I don't think we stand with the with, with a lot more layers uh, to uncover. Uh, there's a lot of things going on with uh, – I don't, know if, I don't know if it's called the Pac-12 or the Pac-2 right now, but obviously they're playing as a Pac-12 right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, Oregon State and Washington State, I, had, I spent eight years at the University of Arizona, so I'm very familiar with those programs and those cities uh, from a traveling perspective. Uh, I think the, uh, you know, one of the things that would be, be really good is to, to get this to the finish line and figure out which way we're going to go. Because uh, as, a, as a former football operations guy, I want to know where I, where I need to plan, where I need to put my travel, uh, where I need to do those things. And the sooner that comes to fruition, uh, the better I can plan for the team. Yeah, I know. You, I'd heard you on the press box a couple of weeks ago when you were talking about the fact that really you need this done and decision made by January, February at the latest, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, moving forward, coming up right around the corner, UNLV basketball. Something here that was a culture that was the, the, the talk. When you talked about UNLV, you couldn't get away from talking about the history created here by this basketball team. Now you've got the son and former point guard of UNLV of, uh, and the son of a former coach that – 
the last coach that a lot of people talk about that they really liked or that took him to a Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. What are your expectations this year of Kevin Kruger and the UNLV running Rebels? You know, the expectation is always this postseason. I mean, that's 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 the expectation. And, and as Barry said, you know, the minimum standard is bowl eligibility. Minimum standard is getting postseason uh, for the UNLV running Rebels. And I, I, I love what Kevin has done from a recruiting perspective. Uh, you know, very, you know, I, I walk into the suite at Allegiant Stadium and just to the, to the left of my suite is a picture of Tarkin with his towel in his mouth. So it just reminds me every time I go to Allegiant Stadium when I walk into my suite, seeing that photo of Tark and, and knowing that Kevin is building his own legacy uh, as a head coach and he's growing every single day. And he's got a great group of guys on the squad right now and, and they're ready to roll. Yeah, you, he used the portal to the maximum. A lot of expectations now with some of the players that he's brought in. And pretty exciting, of course, on the phone with us right now, Eric Harper, the athletic director at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and been a part of this program for a long time now, elevated to that position. Uh, it, it got the interim tag removed that he'd gotten in August, a year ago, January, uh, coming up on two-year two anniversary. Eric, your expectation of UNLV athletics, where, let's say, would you like to see UNLV athletics be in five years from right now, maybe 10 years? You know, I'd like to see it be the best it's ever been. Uh, you know, I have lofty goals, excuse me. And, and it's important to me that we uh, continuously do the things we need to do for our student athletes and their experience. Um, I'm a student athlete centric uh, athletic director, uh, student athlete experience centric athletic director. And I want, you know, when our student athletes leave here, I want them to say they would do it all over again. Every single one of them. I'd love to have every single one of them today do it all over again. But at the same time, we need to make sure that everybody understands that UNLV uh, is in Las Vegas. It's you know truly born and raised here to stay uh, in a place that is to be reckoned with in all in all shapes, forms, and fashions. Because we we are the rebels. No question about it, and, and the city of Las Vegas becoming kind of a sports mecca now with with a, with a, a few major professional sports franchises here. We should see a baseball team here in in a couple of years, as well as a basketball team, and UNLV following suit with the great Fertitta Center now in place, and of course their football team playing out at the Legion Stadium, and their basketball team still playing in what I consider one of the nicest facilities in the country, in the Thomas and Mack Center. Once again, Eric, really appreciate you taking the time out to join the show. And I'll say it myself, like all the coaches say, go Rebels, man. <laughs> go Rebels. And, you know, it's, it's, we want to win a bunch of championships uh, year in and year out. And we have a, a great city. Uh, very proud of uh, the sports that are in this city, the entertainment that's in this city. Uh, and everybody supporting everybody. Congratulations to the, to the Aces for winning another championship. And, and obviously the, the Golden Knights in the NHL a year ago. Just excited about what this city has to offer and, and what we can do as an institution. Uh, to continue to brand this city as the best in the, in the world. No doubt. Feels very good to be a Las Vegas local. Once again, Eric Harper, Athletic Director at UNLV. Appreciate you joining the show, and I'm sure we'll see you around campus soon. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Brian. You have a great weekend. You as well. Once again, Eric Harper, a guy, Chris Spencer, you both UNLV alumni. I am not. I'm a Michigan State alumni, although I said I've probably seen more UNLV football games and UNLV basketball games in my in my life than I have Michigan State games by now, and I've adopted them as my second college team. Um, 
I love the direction they're heading in, guys. I'm watching competitive football. I'm expecting to see a better program at UNLV basketball this year. The volleyball team, the basketball team, the baseball team. Chris, how much of this is the direct correlation of Eric Harper being in place? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with him. Uh, He made the very difficult decision to fire Marcus Arroyo last season after the team had arguably their best season, at least in terms of wins and losses in, in, in a few years, um, the team tended look, seemed like they were trending upwards and he made the decision. Um, and look, I, 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 at the time I was, I wasn't sure why, but clearly he had a vision. Marcus Arroyo was not part of that vision. Um, he hired, uh, Barry Odom, who I don't think a lot of us knew a lot about. All right. The guy coach at Mizzou, but when you when you're around Barry Odom and you watch his his teams, clearly that SEC pedigree means something. But you know, I think Eric Harper. Look, he he he's he's in a he was in a tough spot, and he made the right decision. I think ultimately he will be judged, whether rightly or wrongly, by who he hires after Barry Odom is is probably on his way to a P five picked, yeah, because. I mean, look, unless UNLV can come up, and, and, and I don't know Barry Odom personally, so I don't know what, what drives him, what his, you know, what, what, what motivates him. But, I mean, the reality is, unless you have a Chris Peterson who is willing to stay for 15 years at one school, the reality is Barry Odom has done a good enough job to where he's probably going to, maybe not this year, but maybe next season, the year after that, get some phone calls from some P5 schools, because clearly he's a good football coach. He will, and you never know with conference realignment where UNLV could end up. And they have a good season this year. They could end up at a Power 5 conference. I mean, it's not completely out of the question. And that might change Barry Odom's thoughts. Spencer, we're, we're running low on time, but I want to give you quick your thoughts on Eric Harper. Yeah, no, he's done an amazing job. And I, um, I'm i especially excited for new UNLV people, because when I went, I got... I mean, that's not to say because the girls, there are a few really good girls team laws there, so I guess that's not completely fair, but... You know, the traditional college experience for a guy is you want to go watch the football team. You want to go to the basketball games. But, I mean, of course, like, we win because of, like, the media part of it. But I'm talking about as a regular, you know, college student. There was really no reason to go. They were so bad. The school didn't care about them. You know, it's just cool to see that maybe future generations will actually be able to develop a culture at UNLV, which it just really doesn't. It's a very transient school. Whenever I was there, I never felt, like, excited to be, like, a UNLV student. Like, that's not the way I can describe it. One time when I was in college, I went to an Ole Miss game, and it was just amazing. And it was just cool to see, like, how excited everybody in the town was for it. I just really hope that someone at UNLV can get that experience, too. I'll say this, because, you know, we've, for years, been going, all of us have gone to UNLV football games. And for years, when we leave the stadium, we walk through, you know, the families and the friends. There is so much more excitement that I feel when I'm walking out of Allegiant Stadium now than maybe I've ever felt. That's leave, what I said. Leave, yeah, it, start the segment with Eric. Was yeah, excitement is the one yeah, word but, that but like, coming to mind. You, you, if you're at the game, you feel it yeah. amongst – because all those people that generally are outside are students – and the players can come out and hang with them because it used to be they can go down on the field at Sam Boyd Stadium, not the case anymore at Allegiant. But the general excitement that you feel walking out of Allegiant Stadium from the fans and the families, like, I feel like it's different. We're, we're, we're on the precipice of, of maybe something big. And look, I, I said it last week, I'll say it again, Tony Sanchez deserves a ton of credit because I don't believe this was this would be fully possible without the Fertitta Center. 
But, I mean, the reality is, Brian, I mean, this is a good football team. Yeah, it's a good football team, a good program, and Barry Odom is the reason, but Eric Harper is the guy that hired him. It's great. we got to fly into the bones, Spencer. Before we even get started with the bones, last week I got a chance to talk to Josh Jacobs right after the uh, Raiders-Patriots game, and it was nice to see him in a lot better mood than when I spoke to him after the Pittsburgh game. He was in a lot better mood after, uh, after this game with uh, the Patriots last Sunday. Just want to ask you, string two wins together now. Mm-hmm. You guys have to be happy about that. What do you do to keep this momentum going? Uh, obviously, keep the intensity, uh, keep the urgency that we had all week in practice, um, and, you know, and try to perfect the details more um, and come in and just feel like we need to improve every day. I think that's the only way to be able to keep winning and uh, keep getting better. Football's a next man up mentality thing. Jimmy G again goes down today. I'm not sure what what's going on with him, but mm-hmm. Brian Hoyer, next man up. You guys okay with that? I mean, yeah. I mean, as a team, man, we cool with whoever they put in there, man. We feel like, you know, uh, we believe in each guy. I see them at practice all the time. We know that they're more than uh, capable of getting the job done. Um, and, you know, everybody else got to just come around and, and support them. Finally, the defense. This defense stepped up today when you needed to. At the end of the game, Max makes the big safety to close mm-hmm. it out. How big is that for you offensively to see the defense stepping up and playing better? Yeah, man, the defense is playing with, uh, you know, a certain mentality right now. And I feel like they've been keeping us in games the last two weeks. Um, so as the offense, it's just trying to match the intensity, you know, to play a complete uh, full game on all three phases of the ball. Appreciate you. Appreciate yeah, I'll be really quick because I know we're like running out of time, but I just wanted to say that I think Brian Hoyer is the right start. Whether Raiders fans, I say that in quote, you can't see me on the radio, but I'm putting little air quotes. Whether the fans like it or not, this Raiders team is trying to win football games, and I think they have a really good chance, and I think objectively the right decision was Brian Hoyer. I think they're going to win this game, especially playing against an undrafted Division II quarterback that you know only has like a small amount of hype. So I'm excited about the game. I never thought I'd be excited about a Raiders – well – in the sense that I'm excited about the future of this season. Going 4-3 and three, with all the craziness that's been going on at quarterback, I would have never thought it would be like this as we're standing right now. I'll tell you this much, Spencer. The bottom line is uh, they're favored today to win on the road in Chicago, and I think they can do it. I, I just uh, unless, unless Scoop decides to pick them instead of going against <laughs> them, maybe they won't do it. And speaking of the Scooper, we're going to bring him in. I had to give him a little grief right there. But we'll bring the Scooper <laughs> in as well. Uh, Scooper, last week, uh, just so everyone knows, uh, Magnum's the only guy that was a winner last week. He took the Texans, get, uh, getting a point and a half from the Saints. The Texans won outright 20-13. to 13. He is the leader right now in the clubhouse at 4-2. and two. We got a long way to go. I should say the clubhouse. We've got more than the back nine to play. I took a loss. I went 3-3, three and three, took the Eagles at uh, minus 6.5. I lost. Scooper lost, took the Patriots against the Raiders, and that safety by Max Crosby cost him the win. And, uh, of course, Spencer, the big lemon of the week, took the 49ers, 9.5 point favorites, got beaten by the home dogs the Cleveland this week scoop who are you taking yeah quite a swing for me last week this week we're going to look to bounce back going with the Baltimore Ravens this is an undervalued offense that I hasn't really gotten going yet really struggled in the red zone last week I think they scored some points today all right, he's taking them against that my Detroit. That was my pick, man. My Detroit Lions. Well, you got to take another one. Yeah. We'll, give, we'll give Spencer I'll a pick. i the Browns. Quick. I think that, uh, you know, they're without one of their best defensive tackles. I think the Browns have a historically good defense this season, at least so far. So I'll take him in a short game, I'm pretty sure. I don't he's taking, he has taken the Cleveland Browns, and I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ah! They're not going to lose. They're not going to lose two in a row. They're at home again. They're playing the Atlanta Falcons. They're only giving up two and a half points. They're going to win by more than a touchdown. Chris, we've killed you today. Who are you yeah, taking? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with the Rams. Rams laying three at home against the Steelers. I just don't believe in the Steelers' offense, and I, I, I feel like the Rams, they, they've gotten Coop, Cooper Cup back. 
I think they take care of business. There you have it. You got your picks of the week. Uh, the last thing I'll say is next week I will be in Detroit. I'm covering the Raiders. I'll visit my dad and covering the Raiders, playing my Lions. I'll be broadcasting live from Detroit. These guys will be here in studio. That's it for us. I want to thank everyone for joining the show today. Of course, John Jiggy Maxwell. Uh, I want to thank also Eric Harper, the scooper, my producer, Chris Magnum Chapman. I wouldn't know what to do without the whiz. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line. Back next week, Sunday. 8 o'clock every Sunday right here on Fox Sports Radio. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.